Alright. So, yeah, let's see. I uh, just crossed the river here, so I should be in not Kentucky. So, uh, let me just go ahead and take this exit here and... Oh. Yeah, I should get that checked out. I'm not sure what I did, but somehow my turn signal is overclocked now. So, uh, maybe want to get back to Pittsburgh. So, ah, here, here we go. Chris! Chris! Ah, uh, ah, uh, no. Yeah? Dude, I thought you had an apartment, not a harem. <laughs> yep, I got me a harem. Oh, um, surprise! You happy to see me? I came all the way from Pittsburgh. Yep, very happy to see you. Now you can take, now you can go take half my harem and build your own harem. Yay! This is Control Structure, episode 41, Space Garage, for August 28th, 2013, with hosts Christopher Thompson and Andrew Bailey. And now, I don't want these factories anymore. How you doing, Chris? I am doing wonderful, and you? Uh, pretty much the same, except uh, things might be getting a little hairy at work. Since oh, the really? since the lead developer guy is going to be out for almost two weeks, uh, I think you did mention something about that. Yeah, so I had to deploy some code to staging and then put that on production, and for a client, and I managed to do that uh, without setting things on fire. That's good. Yeah, I couldn't believe that happened. So, you know, maybe that might happen, uh, you know, a little bit more often since I'm going to be the most senior guy there. And the new guy started on Monday. Um, a Mr. Michael Moore. But not that Michael Moore. Because, <laughs> you know, it's like I read that name. I was like, I've swore I've seen, you know, I've swore I've, you know, heard about that guy before. Oh, yeah, that guy. So, mostly because I don't watch TV. So, hey, uh, this is uh, episode number 41. So that means... Uh, 41, really? Yeah, that means a few things. Uh, because this podcast has the episode zero attribute on it. This, this makes uh, this the 42nd episode. Which means this episode should have the meaning of a few things. Uh, two of them, in fact. Uh, that being one of them. Uh, number two, uh, 8-Bit suddenly realized they were getting lapped and overtaken. Uh, so they released their 42nd episode. So now we're catching up with them again. And we will catch up for each and every episode until one of us slips up. Mm. Yeah, but we got we got to produce like three more episodes than they before we're like... Ahead. Yeah, like, uh, uh, un like, undoubtedly ahead. Yeah. Uh, that means that this, this podcast is the meaning of life, or would that be the next one? Uh, no, that would be this one. This is the 42nd episode. Yay! The meaning of life! Woo! And the meaning of life 
doesn't necessarily talk about the NSA. Um, are you tired of us talking about them? Well... Yes, I am. Well, we're not going to do that anymore. At least for this episode, because we've heard numerous complaints from our numerous listeners over the matter. Uh, this podcast is supposed to be about cool things. Okay, hold on. Numerous listeners? I rounded up to the nearest numerous. <laughs> um, mm. So, speaking of cool, uh, Hank bought a school bus and converted, in, it converted it into a livable space for his architecture master's final. So, time for an epic road trip. Ooh, that's a very, very nice bus. Yeah, so well, he... the inside of the bus. The outside's just plain awesome regardless. Yeah, he uh, apparently painted it gray or something. But he put, like, all this wood paneling and uh, furniture inside of it after taking out all the uh, seats. So, like, uh, you, you know, he has a sink here. He has, like, two or three beds. He has, I guess, they're sort of like futons, but they're, like, adjustable seating. And, of course, a toilet and a skylight. So, uh, right now he's uh, taking a trip out west. Uh, apparently the guy's from Chicago, so he's already been through Seattle and uh, California. He's apparently going to Vegas right now or something. Cool. You know, I'm surprised somebody hasn't made a business out of that. Buy old school buses make stuff like this, sell them? Well, I mean, it's sort of like an RV, but it's a different form factor. Yeah. So. Yeah. Of course, this is a uh, rather personalized touch, no doubt. So. Yeah, yeah. So, honey, how are you? Uh, honey is very good for you, you know. And it almost never goes bad. Really? Yeah. Um, Why is that? Apparently for three reasons. Uh, it contains almost no water. It's apparently very acidic. And it has hydrogen peroxide in it. And mostly because of that last part, it was an effective medicine... <laughs> In the ancient times, so, like, you put it over a wound, the hydrogen peroxide will, you know, do its thing. And, uh, you know, fun fact, that uh, honey that was stored in the pyramids, like, thousands of years ago, is still good now. Mm. So, yeah, it's uh, one of the few foods that doesn't go bad. So... And uh, now StarCraft. Uh, did you know that StarCraft is good for you? I did know that StarCraft was good for you. Provides great entertainment. Yep. And that has a decent storyline. Yep. Unlike most uh, real-time strategy games. So uh, turns out that playing it for at least about 20 hours a month improves what's called cognitive flexibility. Um, StarCraft can require players to recall multiple fact sets simultaneously to make quick adjustments, particularly in early base-building strategy decisions and high-intensity confrontations. 
professionals can engage in hundreds of actions per minute as they decide where to build and expand and what their opponents may do in response. Authors say the research is the first to link real-time strategy games with cognitive flexibility, which measures a person's ability to switch between tasks and multiple concepts and ideas to solve problems. Hmm. So, Interesting. So, in other words, stuff that a programmer does all day. Yep, that is true. So, you know, StarCraft being a competitive game, uh, you know what's also competitive? Um, sleeping? Hmm. I suppose if you're in, like, the slacking Olympics, that could be true. When is that held? I've been meaning to go to that lately. Uh, I don't know. I'll look for it tomorrow. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, college admissions is also very competitive. And, uh, uh, you know, the pressure to get into uh, prestigious universities is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, rich kids are pressured even more to the point where they don't have any personality or say in the matter. Uh, yeah. I, I, I came across this, um, and it's the story of, you know, a lady that, you know, helps, uh, kids, you know, prepare for college and, you know, submit their, like, admissions papers or whatever. And, uh, uh, like, there's just these really, at least these two interesting stories. Uh, one of them was, like, this, uh, guy in Manhattan that uh, pretty much sheltered his kid and all of that and, you know, actually asked the lady, you know, how much would you pay to write his essay? You know, how much would you charge to write his essay? Mm. And, uh, like, another one, uh, like, about this girl that would, uh, like, re go around and release uh, rodents into Central Park. Um, so, um... Like, she, you know, wrote her paper, you know, it was, uh, she wrote about rodents, yes, but she also wrote about the garden she knew so well, and about how the city and the park and how she had grown up there. Uh, she covered Manhattan history and the biology of raptors in 500 words. It was terrific. Her parents were horrified. They forbid her to submit the essay. What would Yale think? But you know what happened, right? She submitted it. Oh, yeah. She got into Yale, of course. Er, easy decision. The realest success was giving the admissions officers the kind of honesty that is harder and harder to find these days. So, um, apparently she graduated and became an apprentice gardener with the city park service. Uh, she'll have to work her way up to Central Park, though, uh, from her own front lawn, but it's something that she's, you know, wants to do. Mm. Cool. Yeah. So, uh, and now for I'm, I'm some... I'm glad I did not have to write an essay for Newmont. Yeah, I don't ever remember writing an essay for either of my colleges, I think. So, yeah, I got off easy. Plus the whole part about not paying tuition for most of it. <laughs> uh... Speaking of, if I try hard enough, I might be able to pay off all of my student loans by the end of the year. 
That that's good for you. Yep. So, uh, how about some Kickstarter? I'm thinking more Kickstarter updates this week. Good enough. Star Citizen's first release is tomorrow, starting with the Space Garage. A Space Garage? Wow. Yes, a Space Garage. That sounds pretty cool. Yep, let's hope the remote works. (laughs) Um... Unfortunately, um, you can't really go outside of this, uh, you know, this hangar here. Uh, ah, so the remote is broken. Yeah, it seems like it. Convenient um, first bug. <laughs> well, it's a pre-alpha build, so uh, apparently do expect some issues to come up. Uh, chief among them is optimization gradually takes place at the end of the game development process. So, so unfortunately, it seems like the system specs are rather high, but they may go down over time. Um, but then again, it's built on the same uh, engine that Crisis is. So okay. I believe it's built on CryEngine 3, maybe? So... Interesting. Yeah, so this'll uh, be pretty cool. Sounds like it. So, yeah, speaking of pretty cool, um, another Kickstarter I backed was the uh, the uh, solar power cells for gadgets and stuff. So, uh, it was just today, in fact, that uh, I got my 10-watt uh, foldable solar cell thing here. Um, it- you know, nobody... No, nobody on the podcast except for me can see you holding them up. Well, I mean, hey, I got to play around with something over here. So, <laughs> so, but it looks cool. Yeah, it has uh, rather large uh, panels on it. It has four, and you know, it's it's in a very uh, heavy black canvas thing. Um, five sections. The uh, you know, four of them have the cells. And the fifth one has uh, a USB plug on it. And mm-hmm. to plug into that USB plug is a, uh, a power bank, uh, which is apparently holds uh, 10,000 MAHs. I'm not exactly sure what that is, but apparently it can charge, uh, charge an iPhone a few times. Um, but I don't have an iPhone. So I guess now that I have the egg part of the problem solved. I need a chicken part of the problem. So, and right now, uh, I only have a, uh, a small little MP3 player that really charges over USB. Um, I could try to run my Raspberry Pi off of this. Um, possible. So... At least for, like, an hour or two. So, yep. So. Oh, yeah, did you ever buy that mini monitor? Uh, no, I didn't. So, yeah, I, I did find a, uh, like, a small monitor that I think runs off of USB. Or at least gets power from USB. What in the world? Hold on. 
I got a text message from you. You probably have about two. Yep. Dude! Where's my car? <laughs> oh, wait. Dude! Podcast. So, anyways, uh, and now for this week's installment of LOL Apple. <laughs> so, you remember Siri? Yeah, I, I definitely remember Siri, yeah. Good! Um, that iPhone AI that's gonna kill us all. Um, yep. Apparently, it's already started hating on Google Glass. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, saying things like, I think that glass is half empty, Dan. Mm. So. Uh, stop, stop trying to strap me to your forehead, Dan. It doesn't work. Uh, I'm not glass, and I'm just fine with that. Hmm. Yeah. Glass, I think you got the wrong assistant, Dan. So, uh, <laughs> Dan being the, uh, the reporter on this. So, yeah. Um, apparently that, uh, you know, all the science fiction movies and stuff are coming true slowly. Kind so, of a creepy thought. Yep. So... You know, do you ever think Siri will be how? Do what? Do you think Siri will ever be how? Oh, how 9,000. Oh, that thing. Um, maybe. You know, I'm pretty sure that uh, if you, you know, put an image of that, you know, glowing red thing on an iPhone and, you know, have Siri talking over it, you pretty much have Actually, it. Actually, you know, the second you put that glowing thing, you're gonna get sued by Joyd. <laughs> hmm. I guess, uh, legal fears are, uh, what's keeping that from happening. So, I guess it's not, I guess it's not good for nothing. Yeah. So. Well, we'll see. Yep. Um, hopefully that they won't take any advantages of SQL injection. Ah, this thing. Yeah, a uh, 14... So, so this group's been trying to tackle it for the last 14 years. Yeah, a really long time, but apparently it's still happening. Correct. So, I mean, I suppose there's, uh, like I have an idea about this in that... You know, a long time ago, when people were, like, initially building applications, you know, they weren't exactly aware of this stuff. And no one's bothered to fix it since then. Well, I, I would actually argue that we... There, there are some pretty good counter-sequel injection methods now. Yep. So, it has grown, it's just that not everybody knows about the technology. Or the best practices. Yeah. Or even what SQL injection is. Yeah, that's pretty scary. Uh-huh. So, you know, you know, there's, you know, obvious things, you know, like use uh, parameterized queries, uh, use an ORM if you can. So. You know, I, I just finished um, within the last week. 
SQL injecting proof my code. Cool. Yeah. yeah Cleaning it up and everything. It's always a good thing to do. So. Indeed. Uh, speaking of things that happened a while back, uh, Linux turned 22 last Sunday. Wow. Yeah. So, but, um, you know, the birthday of uh, Linux is sort of nebulous, uh, depending on when you count, you know, when it actually came out, whether you count the, you know, Linus, you know, posting onto a news group saying, you know, hey, I'm working on this, or when it was actually uploaded to an FTP server, or when 1.0 initially came out. I, I would probably say when 1.0 came out. So, yeah. Because same argument could be made for a baby. Do you start its timer when at conception, or do you start it when it actually plops out? Uh, that's a rather cultural thing, I think. Yes, it is. Yeah, so... Well, that goes my argument. I got nothing. So, uh, in this case, it's uh, when it was actually posted to a news group. Uh, comp.os.minix, uh, which Minix was the uh, sort of academic study operating system of Linus's teacher. Um, so he uh, posted to this news group in uh, 1991 saying, Hello, everybody out there using Minix. I'm doing a free operating system, just a hobby. Won't be big and professional like GNU for 3D6 and 4D6 AT clones. It has been brewing since April and is starting to get ready. I'd like any feedback on things people like slash dislike in Minix, as my OS resembles it somewhat. Same physical layout of the file system due to practical reasons, among other things. I've currently ported Bash 1.08 and GCC 1.40, and things seem to work. This implies that I'll get something practical within a few months, and I'd like to know what, what features most people want. Any suggestions are welcome, but I promise I won't implement them. Linus. P.S. Yes, it's free of Minix code, and it has a multi-threaded FS. It is not portable, uses 386 task switching, etc., and will probably never support anything other than AT hard disks, as that's all I have. Hmm. So, well, it, certainly had grown since. Yep, it uh, has broken beyond 386, and Intel CPUs altogether. It you know runs on ARM. It runs on uh, PowerPC chips. It runs on pretty much everything, uh, apparently except my router. Uh, <laughs> it runs on Raspberry Pis, obviously, and. Uh, does support uh, other kinds of hard drives as well. So, well, do you know who Steam Steve Ballmer is? I do know how who Steam Ballmer is. Cool. Uh, he's supposed to be retiring from Microsoft within a year. No kidding. Yep, I'm kidding. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that's actually uh, pretty weird there. As the slink is pretty weird here. Huh. There we go. Yeah, I would say. Oh, there, I fixed it. 
Um, so, yeah, apparently Steve Ballmer is going to be leaving Microsoft within the next year. Uh, so this is the, uh, the guy who uh, gave us the developers, developers, developers rant. So, um, you know, there's... I'm not exactly sure what to say. I mean, Microsoft's been doing okay, but then again, okay is not great. So, I mean, there's been, you know, sort of flops recently with their, uh, I believe it's Surface RT. And, like, the whole thing about Windows 8, which I think is a little bit worse than the blowback against Vista. Hmm, could be. So, I mean, at least Vista worked. You know, I had a laptop that I ran the 64-bit version of Vista on it, and it never crashed once, and I did everything I wanted to on it. Hmm. So... Interesting. So, versus Windows XP, where it would blue screen once a month. So... Hey, that's better than the... Oh, I so hated blue screen during the middle of test. <laughs> um, let's see. I, I remember back in the day when, uh, I like, it was with Windows 98, the thing, this installation of Windows had gone through about three motherboards, and by the end of it, I was lucky if it only crashed once in a day. Hmm. That was pretty bad. So, hey, um, this is just in time for uh, Microsoft to get a white X-bone. Apparently, they're giving them away to all the Microsoft employees. Or at least uh, the ones that are uh, working in the uh, Xbox group. Mm, Yeah, you can't give it to all the employees. Though the janitor would feel really lucky. (laughs) I bet. So this is just uh, an Xbox with uh, white trim on it and a uh, a white controller, but apparently still has the black connect. Huh. So they can't make it all white. Yep, uh, we gotta be uh, you know multiracial. Yep. So, um, which is kind of funny considering. For years, we have had solid black consoles. Yeah. Except for Wii's. Yeah. Wii's always been different. White, black, red, blue, pink. Ooh, pink! My favorite! (laughs) You name it. So. Oh, yeah, I just saw the really strangest thing at uh, Walmart the other day. A microwave in which you can change the outside shell color. And it actually comes with multiple outside covers? Yep. Huh. Well, well, it's just like the front door screen. But still. Hmm. I thought it was the most interesting thing I've ever seen. Yeah, well, um... The most interesting thing you've ever seen is what if uh, Steve Ballmer went to Apple instead... What would happen? So, Mm. you know, the probably the most impressive accomplishment of Steve Ballmer is that he uh, significantly improved Microsoft's, you know, revenues and profit margins. Um, 
So likely the same thing would happen at Apple, but they would not innovate anymore. So, you know, they would be making more money on top of the insane amounts of money that Apple is making already. Uh, but, like, they wouldn't be the next big thing anymore. Mm. Which, which a certain perverse side of myself would enjoy. Yeah, it would be. But is Apple really being innovative? I mean, iPhone 5, iPad 3 iPod 7. <laughs> I'm not exactly sure what number the iPods are on at the moment. But, Neither uh, why I just picked something random. But, you know, iPod 666! <laughs> <laughs> so, um, at least, you know, Apple are trying to play around with uh, high-resolution displays. So, you know, you know, trying to break past the uh, 2056, you know, sort of barrier... And, you know, even on into, uh, like, the 4K monitors. Although I'm not exactly sure if uh, Apple is on the 4K bandwagon yet. Mm. So, yeah. So, um, Craig Moffat, you probably haven't heard of this guy, but he's, uh, like, some sort of telecom investor. Uh, he has suddenly had another change of heart. And that he says that Verizon Fios is suddenly awesome for investors after seeing annual growth rates of 6%, even in mature markets. So, you know, right. there's, you know, pretty much like the lack of uh, network investment is the reason why, you know, people are still on, you know, like really slow DSL. Uh, in fact, I can think of at least two families off the top of my head who still do not have anything better than dial-up as far as wired, uh, you know, ground connectivity is concerned. And another one who has DSL, but uh, it isn't good enough to stream Netflix. So... Uh, I thought for the moment that I thought you said YouTube, and I was about to rip on that. <laughs> well... This comes after years and years of being anti-network upgrades, which would mean less money for himself and his investors' associates. Um, Craig was even against, quote, cheap uh, Doxus 3 cable upgrades. Uh, he also recently admitted that cord cutters are real, and cord cutters are people canceling their paid TV subscriptions without moving to another provider. So... That means that they're, you know, getting, uh, in, you know, their video and their movies on Netflix and uh, so, YouTube. So what would you be? You never had a cord. Hmm. I guess I'm part of the next generation or something. I don't know. I haven't figured that out yet. So, but uh, YouTube on Fios kind of works now. But I really haven't tried to break it too much recently. So... Cool. YouTube, you say? I do say YouTube. YouTube, or YouTube, YouTube. Like, yeah, whatever. The guy who came up with Creative Commons is fighting a YouTube takedown order. So, yes, this uh, Lawrence Lysig guy, I think he's uh, like a professor at MIT or something. Um... Apparently, he posted a lecture that he did in 2010, 
and it had a song in it. Um, and apparently this Liberation Music doesn't exactly like that too much, so they filed a DMCA takedown order. And, uh, you know, he, you know the uh, thing was taken down off of YouTube, and, uh, you know, Larry here decided to counter that. And he gave, you know, reasons why this was fair use and totally not subject to the DMCA restrictions. So, um, not exactly sure how long this is going to go. But, uh, yeah, it might be one of the rare times that uh, a copyright holder would have to pay someone for an improper takedown. Interesting. Yeah. So... Maybe when that's over, we can all start to use ECMAScript 6. Uh, and you ask, what is ECMAScript? It's what everyone pretty much calls JavaScript, um, even though it has absolutely nothing to do with Java. So, you know, there's, uh, you know, a lot of, you know, simpler ways of doing things, like, for instance, uh, default parameters. Um, like, I remember using those in Python. Those are pretty cool. Um, let's see, there's also a more simpler, uh, map function, uh, which is, like, more of, like, a lambda or, uh, like an arrow thing that you use in C-sharp. Uh, apparently that's coming. Hmm. So, and along with, uh, several, several other things, um, and it's, uh, apparently going to have, uh, better object-oriented programming support. So that should make uh, things a little bit easier for some people. Mm. I'm just I'm just reading the I can see clearly now, and it says um, the value includes the logical or with the constraint one. So if y is undefined, or more precisely, when y is falsy. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, JavaScript as a whole is a very odd language, especially when coming from, you know, a more formal and established language like Java or C Sharp. So, yeah, I hope this, uh, you know, straightens up a few things. So, um, Ars Technica has a stunning conclusion of removing unwanted wares from a Windows install. Uh, you know, like spyware and malware and stuff. Um, the author purposely searched for adware and spyware-laden terms and downloaded everything and left on all the defaults and all the installers. Uh, it got pretty nasty. And this is like the sort of stuff that uh, someone might be drawn and quartered for. I mean, this is like really bad and, you know... Like, everyone who is behind these companies uh, should be ashamed. Mm -hmm. So, he uh, ran this in a virtual machine. And, like, before he started, Firefox would start up in about 10 seconds. Um, After all this experiments and stuff, um, it went to 19 minutes to start. Oh, wow. Yeah. Six Firefox plugins and twelve expansions, and uh, 
that's over 16 programs downloaded. So, and, uh, you know, it was populated with all these uh, toolbars, of course. You know, stuff that really makes you want to vomit. Hmm. Uh, PC Optimizer Pro. That's, that program currently killing my girlfriend's computer, believe it or not. <laughs> it just sits there in an infinite loop trying to fix itself. Hmm. Yeah, it doesn't exactly do what it says on the label. No, it doesn't. So, so I'll 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 be getting rid of those stuff soon enough. So, well, hey, you can you might be able to use some of this article then. Um, yeah. And uh, so he goes through and like a few of the things like uh, I think it was like the Ask toolbar that comes with uh, Java was pretty hard to get off. Uh, because I think he uh, installed another thing that had, like, another version of Ask. So, um, mm. yeah, I think the reason why all this, you know, stuff is crappy, because all the good pro- programmers don't want to work for these people. Mm. So, and they use, uh, like, somewhat undocumented areas of the Windows API. So, and, uh, you know, of course, there's the uh, the first article where he uh, actually goes and installs the stuff. So, yeah. Have fun. Mm. So, did you know ad, ad, ad blocking is killing the internet? I have heard of that. So... Great. Yeah, apparently someone on uh, Destructiod... Destructoid, I think, um, a gaming uh, website, uh, was browsing TechCrunch and saw an article about OkCupid's, quote, brilliant move to ask users with ad blocking software to donate $5. So, um, you know, there's some uh, you know, research going on about this, and uh, apparently uh users of gaming and tech sites are more likely to use ad blocking uh you know plugins and software and it's also more prevalent on Firefox and Chrome as well so uh personally I don't I'm not specifically blocking ads I'm just not running javascript yep so I I I let ad pop up cuz I know it helps with the revenue of the site. You know, if if there is like a text ad somewhere, I don't really mind. Um, you know, if there's like something that would give someone an epileptic seizure, yeah. Uh no thanks. The the the, the those sites I typically don't go to. I mean, if they can't even go visit their own site. Yeah. So, and, you know, of course, there's, uh, you know, suggestions, you know, uh, they actually went and asked people who do ad block, you know, they said, you know, use ads that, you know, actually blend in with the site and, you know, like, don't make them annoying and, you know, you know, do not allow ads to, you know, like expand and fill the screen. I especially hate those. Yeah. 
So, yeah, it seems like uh, advertising is uh, making the internet worse, at least in a few places. Yeah. So, do you remember Xerox problem a while back? Uh, yeah, it was uh, like manipulating numbers and stuff. Yeah. They have started releasing patches to fix it. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Patches to copiers. Never heard of that one before. Who knew? Yep. So, yeah, Xerox is, uh, you know, actually realized that they had a problem on their hands here. And, well, uh, at least they realized it and are doing something. Yep. Unlike Apple. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm just going through this list here at random. It seems like most every one of them have, uh, have a patch. Um, well, I just came across one of them here. Uh, yeah, find your model in the list below and click on the device to download the patch. If your device does not appear in the list, it is not impacted. Hmm. So. Interesting. So, so, yeah, they're slowly rolling this out. So. Well, cool. Yep. So, uh, make WebGL ribbons and not war. Uh, what? I, so, uh,. Uh, this guy here, you know, I've I've been going on about WebGL for a while, and uh, this guy uh, made you know a lot of ribbons in uh, WebGL, and uh, you know explained how he did it. So you know, it was just a lot of uh, you know curves, and uh, you know he did a lot of you know geometry uh, manipulation with this. And he actually did, you know, even fancy lighting, like ambient occlusion uh, with it. Hmm. So, yeah. Interesting. And, and, uh, you know, he explains, you know, all the effects he put on it. And, you know, he even explains how he optimized it a little bit. So, yeah, it looks pretty cool. Oh, that's cool when you go over the play button. Yep. Man, I'm getting all these achievements unlocked. <laughs> so. Cool. I like that. So, so. I heard you have a rant to do. Well, I came across this rant uh, recently, but it's uh, actually from about eight years ago. Uh, you know, that would mean even before we went to college. Uh, a rant on Java web frameworks. Um, so this guy makes a rather clever analogy and, you know, goes on uh, and stuff. Uh, let me uh, read a little bit here. So he, you know, wants to build a spice rack. So, you know, he, you know he's done this sort of thing before. So he figures he needs, you know, some wood and a few tools like a measure, saw, level, and a hammer. But, you know, if he was looking for a whole house rather than a, just a spice rack, he'd need the same tools. He goes to the hardware store to buy them, and, uh, you know, he asks the clerk where he can find a hammer. A hammer, he asks. Nobody really buys hammers anymore. They're kind of old-fashioned. Surprised, I ask why. 
Well, the problem with hammers is that there are so many different kinds. Sledgehammers, claw hammers, ball peen hammers. What if you bought one kind of hammer and then realized you needed a different kind later? You'd have to buy a separate one for your next task. As it turns out, most people really want a single hammer that they can handle all the different types of handling, hammering tasks you might encounter. Hmm, I suppose that sounds right. Uh, can you show me where to find one? No, we don't really sell those anymore. They're pretty obsolete. Really? I just thought you said it was the wave of the future. Well, as it turns out, if you make one kind of hammer capable of performing the same task as other kinds, then it's not very good at any one of them. Driving a nail with a sledgehammer doesn't exactly work. And if you want to kill your ex-girlfriend, there's really no substitute for a ball-peen hammer. <laughs> That's true. So if nobody buys universal hammers anymore and they're no, sell no longer selling the regular ones, what do you sell? Actually, we don't sell hammers at all. According to our research, what people really needed wasn't a universal hammer. It's always better to have the right kind for the right job. So we started selling hammer factories, capable of producing whatever kind of hammers you might be interested in. All you need to do is staff the factory with workers, activate the machinery, buy the materials, pay the bills, and bam, you have exactly the kind of hammer you need. But I really don't want a hammer factory. That's good, because we don't sell those anymore. But I thought you just said, and it just goes on and on and on. And apparently you have this general purpose tool, factory, 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 or something. So, <laughs> I guess it was just all a byproduct of really good economic times, because demand for factories was apparently huge. Hmm. So, uh, I thought it was a good, pretty good read. And the guy was the guy was just so frustrated with uh, you know looking around at web frameworks and ready to gouge his eyes out. So what's this about destroying your code? I don't want all these factories anymore. I want to destroy them. Sounds good. Let's destroy them. There is a actual process for destroying your code. Believe it or not. Do tell. First part, get everybody off your code. Because they're taking up too much space. Yep. But the only downside is getting business off the old reliable code and onto the new unreliable code. <laughs> okay, you don't exactly want to present it in that way, but okay. Yeah. Well, I mean... You, 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 you have your software that you've been tweaking around for 15 years, getting everything perfect, versus the new top-of-the-line software that has only been around for two years. And has no SQL uh, injection. Yeah, no SQL injection in this one. So, yeah. Make sure you destroy your code. So, when you're writing the new code, what should you do? You should just comment out the old code. Hmm. And, and, and one of the things I have recently learned is adding in flag switches so you can turn off and on the new, new and old code as needed. Hmm. So let's suppose the new code is not working as performed. 
You just change a flag in the configuration file and it's suddenly using the old code. That seems like it'd be uh, a lot of, uh, how should I say, maintenance head work. Well, just in the temporary short run. Because but, once you get the new code working, the old code's just sitting there, and once it's not used, then you can actually go through and delete it. Hmm. Well, make sure you uh, remind your manager to tell you to go through all of that. that. Well, might... it should be it should be something that's regularly done because that the concept of if it's not broke, don't fix it. It's quite invalid in IT industry because if it's not broke, it's time to optimize it. True. Um, let's see. Yeah, which is an, you know sort of counterintuitive because in some way, you know, especially on big projects, something is always broken. Yep. So, also, you should... You know, uh, with your new code, you should comment your crap code in the new stuff so that you know what it does later. Yep. Because, let's face it, you don't have a photographic memory. And other people read your crap. Yep. Just make sure that they stay out of the bathroom. <laughs> what are they afraid you're gonna, they're gonna read your magazines? Yeah. We don't, we, we, <laughs> We don't want that. <laughs> developers, 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 I guess we can go into the appreciate section, uh, but yep. first I Slash want to deprecate. Yes, I want to deprecate Waterfox because it's apparently still on version eighteen. Uh, let me check that real fast. Yep, eighteen. Um, ironically, how long has it been on eighteen? Um, since Firefox version 18 came out, uh, probably... Was Firefox on 24? 23, I think. Uh, 24 should be out in, like, a month or so. But, you know, it's been like that for at least six months by now. And, ironically, for not hearing about it for months, or, you know, like, talking about it, uh, I have told two people just this past week that I don't use it anymore. Interesting. So, uh, you know, that uh, got me on to another thing in that uh, our good friend Studio Guy uh, mentioned that uh, he was using a proxy uh, from, like, another place to get into his, you know, his server at his house. And I want to say uh, I mentioned a Foxy proxy to him. It's a plugin for Firefox, Chrome, and apparently IE. It allows symbol management of proxies, and you can easily enable, disable, create rules, and even set for specific sites to go through a proxy automatically. Nice. So it has a pretty slick interface to do it with, too. 
another plugin I want to talk about and appreciate is Abduction. It's another Firefox plugin that allows you to save a screenshot of all or a portion of a web page so you don't need to resize, change resolution, or edit out the browser window. Mm. So, you know, occasionally well, I've just one went... add-on. Maybe we can increase it to 20 minutes. <laughs> um, right now my Firefox uh, launches in well under 10 seconds. That's good. My, mine pretty much auto-pops up and uploads about the four pages I have pinned. Ah. So, uh, recently on my blog, um, it was maybe about a month ago, that I decided that I didn't want anyone uh, like pointing to the images on my blog. So, yeah, sick. Yep, so, say if you have your own website... You know, I don't exactly want you embedding images that direct to my server. So uh, that caused a lot of problems for certain people uh, using RSS readers and uh, apparently people using Google Image Search. Uh, but uh, it was just last week that I implemented whitelisting. Uh, so now I've uh, whitelisted certain domains that it's okay for them to uh, access you know, images and other content on my server. So if some random website references an image, it won't load unless I specifically allow them to. Uh, right now, there are three less reputable domains that refer to images on my server. Uh, two of them happen to be Russian. Really? Yeah. So, and uh, each... How popular is your website? Um, depends. Um, I've noticed that, uh, you know, each time that, you know, this happened, you know, it comes up in my log. And, you know, I go there and, you know, figure out what's going on. And, you know, over about a month or so, I've compiled, you know, this white list of, you know, mostly Google domains um, and a few others, uh, you know, that access, you know, tries to access images I'm like, okay, yeah, you know, people on Google searching for stuff, you know, they, they're okay. Um, I also noticed that apparently people on iPhones and iPads search the hell out of every image. Like, pretty much 80% of the people coming from Google uh, image search uh, were on iPads and iPhones, and I have no idea why. Huh. So, I mean, personally, I don't use image search all that much, so I'm wondering if there's maybe an app or something that, you know, people just cannot get enough of. <laughs> I'm not sh Maybe Instagram. I'm not sure if Instagram, like, embeds Google's uh, image search or anything, but, uh, yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, don't forget that today is International Backup Awareness Day, so don't forget to back up your blog. So, unlike uh, our friend Jeff Atwood did not do a few years ago. So, and uh, don't forget to use the contact link if you want to submit feedback. Uh, we didn't exactly get too much this week, or any. We didn't get any. So... I think this is the second week in a row. 
Well, we did get numerous complaints from our numerous listeners about that uh, one thing. Uh, that one thing. Yes. The thing that shall not be named. Uh, Indeed. But well, uh, I Ian, will... Ian, Squall, we need to review and we need a guest. So if you're interested in being a guest, log on to the Nexus TV dot something. I screwed that up. <laughs> well, if you're listening to this, you probably know where the website is. So go there yep. and stuff. So, but I was about to mention mom. Hi, mom. So, uh, let's see. This next weekend is Labor Day. Yay! Let's see, and uh, after that, it won't be uh, this Friday or the next Friday, but the one after will be Friday the thirteenth. You, you, you know what I love about this Friday the thirteenth? What's that? We're doing a production release. Oh, that's nice. Yep. Like, you know how I have four major releases a year? Ah, oh, it's that time. Yeah, this falls on Friday the 13th. Of the 13th year. So, um... Let's see, interesting that you uh, say that. Uh, this Friday the 13th is also September 13th. Which is also Programmer Day. I didn't know we had a program of day. Well, you do now. Oh, well, then again, these things don't really surprise me. So hmm, cool. So yeah, this is uh, the 256th day of the year. So why the 200? Oh, I understand the 256. Clever. Good. So. Anyways, that seems to be it for now. Um, so yeah, keep on doing cool things. You so, too. So um, have a good one. You too. Adios. <laughs>